Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, where we deliver a variety of fresh content to help you live awesome. Enjoy the show. Engage with us online at marksdailyapple.com and on social media, and send your questions to info at primalblueprint.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. Today, we have Carrie Forrest on the show. She's the creator of the blog, Clean Eating Kitchen. You can go to cleaneatingkitchen.com, where she shares easy, gluten-free, and dairy-free recipes and resources, which is super important for so many of us with all these issues. And she also shares her stories from her own health journey. And really, her work is to inspire women to take control of their health with a focus on holistic and natural healing. So you can go to cleaneatingkitchen.com or on Instagram and Facebook, she is at cleaneatingcarrie. And that's C-A-R-R-I-E. And we'll put all of those in the show notes. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Elle. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so grateful to have you here because you reached out and um, talked to me about a little bit of your health journey. And while I don't know all the details, I wanted you to share it live here on the show. So how did you even get into knowing to eliminate gluten-free and dairy from your life? Let's just start there. Yeah, a great point. And I just wanted to start out by saying a huge thank you to you because I would not be able to do the work that I'm doing if it hadn't been for your podcast and specifically the podcast episodes you've done with Dr. Gary Forsman about thyroid and getting your thyroid supplement right if you're not, you know, if your thyroid isn't working correctly. And I mean, when you've shared your stories about in your book and on the podcast about how awful you felt, that spoke directly to me because I was going through that. And again, if it wasn't for the information, the resources you put out, I I don't even, you know, I don't even want to think about what my life would look like, um, you know, and Instead, I feel like I'm doing good work. I'm like doing my life's work. And so I'm super, super, super grateful to you. Well, let's thank you and you're welcome. And I'm just so grateful I was able to share it with anyone that, you know, to me, it was if just one person had something in their life changed that would have made my crapola journey (laughs) worth it. But tell me about what were you feeling? What were your symptoms? Because the thing is, is that we can all talk about how we felt crappy, but people who are listening, I've learned really relate to specifics. So when I say things like, like when I was at Paleo FX and I was speaking and I spoke about skin thickening and what that feels like to have your skin thicken or, you know, heavy legs or the emotional, uh, aspects, which we can get into some of these symptoms since we're, you know, having a little bit of a thyroid discussion here, but tell me, what were your days like? What were your thoughts? You know, now that you're sort of on the other side and you can look back, what were the symptoms that were just unbearable? Right. So, and I did have a thyroid journey going back to, I mean, probably like I'm thinking back into my early twenties was when, you know, now, like now I'm, all that's in retrospect, and I can kind of see what was happening. But of course, this was like 20 years ago, because I'm 43, 44 ish now. So 
I mean, I'm talking like 20 years, but what happened was all my thyroid problems came to a head, let's say in September, October 2012, when my regular monitoring of Hashimoto's symptoms just by a like regular quote unquote endocrinologist were diagnosed as thyroid cancer. So I had to have my thyroid removed. I had to go on full thyroid supplement, obviously, because once you have your thyroid removed, if you don't supplement, then you know, you're gonna die. So I was taking thyroid supplement and I did not feel good. I I just kept saying, you know, I don't feel like myself. And this went on until so 2012 I had my thyroid removed because I had diagnosed thyroid cancer. I just lived with feeling crappy until 2016 when I feel like I had the kind of fatigue that I would be standing in the kitchen just preparing a meal and the kind of fatigue that I had was so intense that I had to literally walk over to a chair and sit down. Like I just couldn't even stand up anymore. And that's the symptom that stands out to me the most. And that was how I felt in, let's say, August, September, 2016. And then one day, I actually wrote down the podcast episode. It's 131 of the of your podcast, the Primal Blueprint podcast. You had an interview with Dr. Gary Forsman, and he you mentioned he's in Arroyo Grande. I live in Pismo Beach. I live literally 10 minutes from his office. I had no idea that he was practicing medicine. I had no idea there was a thyroid expert in my own community. And I literally almost fell down because I was so shocked. And then I was hearing, you know, him and you talk about your journey. I think your book had come out around that time. So I called his office, I mean, like same day. And there's quite a long wait time because he's quite a excellent physician and people want to become his patient. And then it just, there was like a cancellation because a lot of people come from out of town and I'm local. And I ended up being able to see him in just a few weeks time. And of course I had your book, I read it, you know, cover to cover, which is the paleo thyroid solution, which has also a written interview with Dr. Forsman. And so I I just knew that my thyroid wasn't optimized. And well, let's, again, let me interject. At yeah. that time, what were you taking for it? So, you know, it's funny because when I had my surgery in 2012, I'd had a family member, like a family member by marriage who had also had thyroid cancer a few years before. And so, of course, I talked to her about it. You know, I was freaking out. Did not expect to be diagnosed with thyroid cancer. Cancer just went in what you know was going in every year for an ultrasound because I had nodules on my thyroid and I had Hashimoto's. But again, like my doctor was like, nothing you can do. Just come back next year. We'll do another ultrasound. So he they said, basically were like, no thyroid hormones, no medication, no nothing. Just we'll watch it. 
Yeah, because I'm, I guess I was in fairly early stages of Hashimoto's where my thyroid was still compensating. So my, and he never tested my, like all the tests that Dr. Forsman does now to make sure that. So basically he didn't even take the comprehensive tests anyway. No, and never, he also never measured my antibodies. Okay, so I just want to stop right there and and make a comment to the audience on this. So as Carrie knows, and a lot of patients know, you must rule out Hashimoto's when you're assessing thyroid to see whether you have it or not. You need to take both of the Hashimoto's tests, TPOAB and TGAB. And also, if someone ever says to you, let's just watch it come back in a year, that's what they do to people who have high blood glucose too, and then you're diabetic by the end of the year, or full-blown, or some kind of damage is being done. And so, if there's nodules, or there's Hashimoto's, or there's something, and someone says, let's just watch it, again, this is to, at the time, you know, and, and this is not a blame thing, this is all of us out there, at the time, I'm sure you just were like, okay, right? I mean, you just listen to your doctor, right? Right. This is a fancy endocrinologist in Santa Barbara, by the way. So sure. So uh, yeah, yeah, you know, fancy. He must know everything. He went to Harvard, and this is really where we get stuck, right? Because I did that too, and then I suffered and went through a whole bunch of stuff as well. So anyway, back to the story. You've got this endocrinologist who's obviously uninformed, unfortunately, um, and they see that there's nodules and you have Hashimoto's, and they go, "Let's just watch it," and then go ahead from there. Right, and so. Then one, and so also at the same time, I went on a vegan diet, like in 2010, I thought that would solve all my health problems because I mean, even though my TSH was fairly stable, that was really the only test that was being monitored. It was fairly stable. I was having symptoms. I mean, I mentioned like starting in my early twenties, I would have cold hands and feet. I'm, that's not normal all year round to have freezing hands and feet, you know, have your hair, which is, my hair had always been really thick, have it be n- not thinning, but definitely had changed texture. And these are not, you know, like putting them all together, they're not normal. And I just... I don't know. I just didn't dig deeper. And then, you know, like having the doctor say, well, there's nothing you can do. Let's just monitor. So um, you asked me what supplement I was taking or what thyroid replacement hormone I was taking after my surgery. And so I mentioned my family member had said, she told me, don't let them just give you Synthroid. Make sure you get... um, some T3. And so I did tell my endocrinologist that, you know, before surgery, I said, I don't just want to take Synthroid. So at least I knew that much. And this was just... That's a great point you just brought up. And I just want to highlight that, that that was a saving moment that your family member said that because they knew something a lot of uninformed doctors don't. So that's back to T4 only often fails people, right? And so it's also not classic endocrine mimicry because our bodies don't rely on T4 conversion alone to T3. Our bodies also give us some T3. So that was very good advice, something everyone should be hearing out there. And if you're on level thyroxine, get onto the brand name Synthroid. And if you're on Synthroid, you might want to think about and look into how are you feeling? Are you feeling awesome? If you're not feeling perfectly great and like you're not hypothyroid at all, then you need to look into a T4, T3 combo. So sorry, go ahead. I just, it, right. I, it's rare that I get these discussions. I want to just like throw out all the highlights, you know? And it doesn't even have to be just how you're feeling. I mean, I think that's 
the ultimate test, but sometimes and people want lab tests and there can there are lab tests. It's the reverse of the it's the reverse T3. It's the um I mean TSH is like one crappy measurement. There are like five thyroid tests that you can get to help you figure out if you're actually getting enough. So after your comment and you went to your doctor, what were you put on after surgery? So he started me on Synthroid and five micrograms of Cytomel. And of course, his caution was, we can't go over, I don't know what, maybe 10, um, 10 um, of T3, 10 micrograms. Or what happens? Or what happens? <laughs> oh, right, right. No, I mean, or, what was his reason? What was the reasoning? Why can't they go over 10 micrograms? I know, I know that... Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess they are fearful that you're going to have a heart attack or something. Yeah, but it is that. I think also it's interesting. In my a book, I think I read about taking a patient to a doctor, and um, <clears throat> she also said the same thing. She was an endocrinologist, and she said, well, I begged her to give the patient some T4. And she's like, well, I'm, not, I'm definitely not going to do more than 5 or 10. It must be. Uh, and I'll have to ask Dr. Forsman this question, um, but and we'll, we'll follow up. But it, I, it has to be some... Association of, you know, American Association of Endocrinologists. You know, they, they like to see the free T3 in the middle of the range, and that's for everybody. It doesn't matter if you're on replacement or not. They just don't get it, so therefore they're making all of these these judgments in the wrong direction. Um, so you're on Synthroid and 5 micrograms of T3, and at what, and at what point are you like, all right, now I'm not, I'm, you know, I had surgery, da, 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 but I'm not, I'm not feeling good. So I was telling them that, maybe every, I mean, basically every appointment. And you know what he told me? He said, I don't think it's your thyroid. I mean, like what? I had my thyroid removed. I don't feel like myself. I'm coming to you every six months saying I'm tired. And you're now you're going to tell me. So he was like, you know, referred me to a sleep specialist. I, I mean, it was almost like he threw up his hands. And oh, I have to say, like, in your book, when you talk about just feeling utterly, completely, like, it's almost like you've been abandoned by the person that you're completely dependent on. Because if you're, you know, if you are reliant, like, I'm totally reliant on a doctor to prescribe me thyroid hormone. And then this doctor was telling me, it's not your thyroid. And I just felt like total, yeah, like just, like I didn't even know what to do. It's just like, like he gave up on me and it just felt like abandonment. It was a horrible, horrible feeling. And by the way, this doctor is no longer my doctor. <laughs> yeah, really Fast forward, no longer my doctor. I literally have walked out of so many doctor's offices bawling my eyes out. I literally did have that experience in my book where the doctor threw her hands up and says, you know what? This is too complicated. And I said, are you effing kidding me? I said, so medical school wasn't complicated. Like organic chemistry wasn't complicated, but you're not. I mean, it's just insane. You have someone standing in front of you who's achieved great scientific heights of the mind. I can't pass an MCAT test to get an MD. I would fail it. I mean, there's no way I wouldn't even get one question right, right? So here you are steeped in medicine and you're. It, it's almost like it's too complicated is I just don't care enough to bother because it's like any other doctor who's been through that training 
has the wherewithal and know-how if they really attacked it like a CSI, you know, like, you know, law and order case, they would, they would, if they had that excitement to find the conclusion, I bet you they get there. But it's almost even worse because they're just not even willing to try. Right. And there's something that they're working within these parameters that have been set. Like you said, like there's somebody set the rule that you it's not safe to take more than 10 micrograms of Cytomel, which is completely ridiculous, which that's the brand name of T3. Like right now I'm taking 25 micrograms a day. I feel great. I've never had any heart palpitations. I don't have, you know, hand shaking or anxiety. And that's what I needed to get my energy back and be able to stand and, you know, make a meal and not have to sit down because I'm so overcome with fatigue. So yeah, it's just, it's very, very frustrating. And I know so many women and, and I'm sure men too, I always, you know, talk about women and then I get these really sweet guys sending me messages like, I had thyroid cancer and, and, you know, you inspired me to ask for more, you know, to make me feel better and get the right lab tests. And, um, so I, I recognize that there are a lot of men in this situation, but I guess because I'm a woman and, you know, I have a sister and I I just have like a soft spot in my heart for wanting to help women and like women, we're taking care of children and that saying like, you know, if like the, the, the women, the woman isn't happy, you know, I mean, the whole family feels it, the husband, the pets, the children, so many people depend on women. I mean, women are just so important to our, our community, our world. So I just really feel like women, um, and I mean, the scientific literature shows that women are more often um, dismissed by physicians and male physicians and female physicians, um, for whatever reason. So, um, I think women in particular, we do need to stand up for ourselves, know the right tests that need to be done, you know, know what the results should like look like and know that we should feel energy and we should feel happy to get out of bed in the morning. You know, not every day, but most days we should feel like ourselves and feel energized. And, um, that is the standard. Um, I love that you mentioned that. And that's why I said, if you're out there and you're not feeling awesome, like great, like great, like, wow, I feel younger than I am. I'm aging backwards. Like if you're not dancing around feeling awesome, uh, short of having a, you know, whatever rough week or something, Mm -hmm. uh, that is not normal. It's not normal. Um, let's keep going with, so, you saw Dr. Forsman. And so then he takes all sorts of tests. And then what do you find out? So I think I, you know, I don't even know if he had to, to do the test to say you're not getting enough. We did, of course we did the test, but I'm pretty sure from that first appointment, he said, okay, go ahead and add a little bit more Cytomel and then we'll, and, or like, let's do the lab test tomorrow go ahead and add a little Cytomel and then we'll continue to tweak it after we get the test. Um, You know, this is over two years now, but literally overnight adding more T3 to my combination, um, literally overnight, I felt better and continue to feel better. So it's not even like it was that difficult of a 
solution. We didn't have to do a ton of digging. It's interesting how, um, okay, so how much Synthroid do you take in the morning? So I take a hundred, I think it's 125 um, micrograms. And then I take, oh, so the other change that I made with Dr. Forsman was that first I was only taking, you know, like the five milligram Cytomel in the morning. And I told him like, you know, it's kind of the afternoon, that after lunch time. So now I'm taking, let's see, I take 10, 10 micrograms of Cytomel in the morning with my Synthroid, just swallow it with a full glass of water. Then about an hour before lunch. So that's about four hours let's see, six, seven, eight, or about five hours after my first dose, I will take another five um, micrograms of Cytomel. I do it sublingually. And when he first told me that, I thought, oh, you know, do I have to go get a different brand of Cytomel that's sublingual? He said, no, just take, and I take the generic actually of Cytomel. Do you take it sublingual? Because I stopped taking mine sublingual, although there's reasons for doing that in a jam if you feel like you needed to hit your system harder because you're chew up and put on your tongue for people who aren't listening, that's sublingual. Uh, so for people who are listening, um, for those who aren't listening, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, but then there's certain brands or some ways like you can't do slow release T3 that way. Um, some people feel it might be more of a slow release doing it by swallowing it. Some do empty stomach you could do with food if it's not high calcium. So there are lots of ways people talk about it. But essentially, you want to try to do an empty stomach if you're going to swallow it. And and just warning to those out there in other countries listening with your brand, maybe it's not great to do sublingual for whatever brand you're taking. But I think American Cytomel, Mexican Cynomel, and then the generic Lyothyronine from Alpha Pharma. In the U.S., I think you can do sublingual. Um, so you do your lunchtime one sublingual. Right. And that's because, you know, I think maybe he was concerned that um, that somehow I just wasn't, um, I yeah, like something, it would somehow just get into the system faster. And then if I did have lunch, you know, fairly quickly after that, it would just ensure that it was getting into my bloodstream. Right. And so then, and then how long on this dose where you do the Synthroid and the 10 micrograms in the morning and then five micrograms around lunch? Um, well, and then I also do another 10 in the afternoon. Okay. So you, so you do 10, five, and then 10. Mm -hmm. Okay. When do you do the 10 on the afternoon? In the afternoon, I do it between 3 and 4 p.m. And uh, that was another thing. My original endocrinologist, when I had asked him, could I try some more, you know, please, please, can I have some more Cytomel? Can I have some more thyroid medication? He said, oh, no, it will it will keep you up all night. You know, it'll interfere with your sleep. I, I yeah, I haven't had that problem. People take it to bed, people. Sometimes I do. So it does. People have a misconception that because T3 is an energy hormone, <clears throat> because it does make you have focus, that somehow it's going to jack you up like coffee or cocaine or, you know. And there are people that have issues taking a nighttime dose. The, the author, Paul Robinson, doesn't really take his T3 past 5, 6 p.m. It affects him and his sleep. That's him. But for the most part, I've never heard of that happening. So again, any of these blanket warnings from people when it comes to dosing is... Uh, you know, take them at face value because everybody's different. Um, I want to also just share, so you don't have a thyroid gland. So for those people listening, she, it's, it's more optimal that she doses at least 
twice a day, no matter what she's doing, because there's nothing there to back her up. If she, if she, if she doesn't, one of the reasons to have T4, if it's converting properly for her in the morning, um, don't mean to talk about you like you're not here, (laughs) um, is, is, uh, but just to explain to the audience is because she doesn't have a thyroid gland, T4 is very steady and it has a longer sort of shelf life in your body. T3 will peak and dissipate within four hours. So because it has a longer, what they call half-life of T4, the A, you want your body to work that way. You want the conversion. That's how it's supposed to be. So that is endocrine mimicry. But also for someone that doesn't have a thyroid gland, it would be a concern for any doctor, any person that, let's say, God forbid, Carrie got into a car accident and you know she's in a coma. Well, somebody better be nearby to know that she doesn't have a thyroid gland, to know to give her medication, or it's going to be a problem. Or if Carrie gets, God forbid, stranded on an island, right. she'll last longer um, with having some storage hormone T4 in her body. So a lot of doctors are very afraid of people going on T3 only, even with a thyroid gland like myself, because they're fearful of patient compliance or what happens if, you know, but the chances of someone being stranded on an island or getting into a coma and nobody knowing, okay, you could always wear a wrist bracelet, right? So, but I just want to explain to people why it's actually a little bit more important and more of a goal for someone without a thyroid gland to get to the point where they can be a converter. Meaning, like you know, if you have a reverse T three problem and you have to go on T three only, but if you don't have a thyroid, you do want to do everything you can to get back to a place where you can convert. And I'm, this might be more of an advanced discussion for those people out there, but um, it, it should make sense to a lot of. Does that make sense to you, Carrie? Totally. And I mean, I've done other things because, of course, Dr. Forsman is a functional medicine physician. So we work on, we've worked a lot on, I've had underlying food sensitivities. So there could be, I mean, I'm not an expert in this, but that that issue of conversion of T4 to T3, I'm, my understanding is that if you have like leaky gut or food sensitivities that you don't know about, Absolutely. Or heavy metals like I had, which I discovered later, or Lyme's disease or any infection of cancer, a chronic infection can actually affect uh, conversion. So uh, there's deficiencies, um, selenium deficiency. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of stress, just stress, just shitty stress and sleep. So uh, just mental stress. So there's a lot of things and think about it. And, you know, other people can go back and listen to some more of the in-depth thyroid conversations because we're sort of talking from a place of people already knowing uh, some about this, but there's so many things that affect conversion and think about it. Your body's just trying to save you because in the event of a quote emergency, like Lyme's disease, cancer, right? Other infections, inflammation, oh, you just got hit by a truck. Your body's going to downregulate, not want to put more T3 like metabolic fire onto the fire pit. So it's going to dial it back a little bit. And, and that's sort of, it's trying to save your life. So if you're sending in a message, no matter what that is through heavy metals, through, you know, exposure to chemicals, to stress, to angry person, um, you are igniting that primal kind of instinct there for your body to go, whoa, trouble. You know what I mean? So that is a reason to look at all of these things and why functional medicine is important. The food sensitivity test, what were you shocked by? What was in your severe column? Well, ginger, foods that interesting. We yeah, we think are healthy. Ginger, sunflowers. Let's see. Um, there was something that was totally 
random oh tomatoes um which is interesting because that's a night did yeah, you ever notice nice anything where you like aha i knew it with ginger and tomatoes like or were you like what i eat ginger all the time no problem like what was your i did i had no idea i don't like tomatoes so i was i wasn't that bummed about it <laughs> but the ginger i was shocked by um yeah so that's been really helpful i um i have a lot of foods that i've had to to be more careful about and it the I think the best part about the food sensitivity testing, not the best part, but one of the benefits is that it's helped remind me of getting uh, diversity in my diet because it's just so easy to just go to the grocery store and buy the same things week after week. And so it just prompts me to get to the farmer's market and see what's in season and try some things that I maybe haven't had for a few months. Um, so that's kind of how I've dealt with that. It's interesting how random things show up in that severe cold. <laughs> Ginger yeah. tomatoes, mine was just cocoa. Oh. Um, now, this is a discussion I've had, and if you've heard it before on the podcast, I'm, I apologize. <laughs> but I, it just bears repeating. I hated chocolate as a kid, never wanted it. Everyone thought it was crazy, didn't want chocolate ice cream, didn't want chocolate frosting, didn't like the s'mores, didn't want the Hershey bar. Did not care about chocolate. In fact, repelled by it says something that an innocent, pure, non-toxified individual, such as a child, would have an instinct. So when I saw that, I thought, oh my God, now as an adult, chocolate got really interesting. They're starting to do bacon and chocolate and all sorts of crazy shit. And I was like, hey, mm -hmm. and I kind of got into it. Um, it's still always like I could never eat too much of it, but I kind of had it around and I would have some fresh whipped cream and put some cocoa on it because it's kind of primal. Um, and then I find this out. So it doesn't mean I'm never going to eat it again. It just means that I stay away from it kind of intentionally. And it also, Michelle Norris of Paleo FX, the CEO of Paleo FX, had the same thing happen to her, but her severe tolerance was cumin. And she always also had kind of this aversion to that, but she grew up in Texas where everything, Tex-Mex, I mean, everything's got cumin in it. Um, and I want to share with the audience too that from my conversations with people who have Hashimoto's, or autoimmune disorders, and everybody, should, it bears, I think, looking at your website cleaneatingkitchen.com and also just Googling autoimmune paleo protocol or autoimmune diet, autoimmune paleo diet. Some Hashimoto's people have expressed that um, eating foods high in histamines affects them like cinnamon and nightshades such as your tomatoes uh, so or lectins. So, you know, it's just an extra, if you have Hashimoto's, you have to go to the extra tech, uh, extra lengths of I think it's even more important to do a functional workup. It's more important to get a food sensitivity test, and it's more important for you than other people to really try to do a serious elimination situation because there are igniters out there. I mean, for everybody, but particularly, right, if you've got an autoimmune disorder, I think it's really worth looking into. Um, but anyway, I want you to, to continue with what were, aside from the food sensitivity tests, uh, what were some other things you discovered, you know, it's been a couple of years. So what's, as you've been getting better, what were some things that you were like, ah, I don't do that anymore, or I, I don't eat that anymore? Um, well, you mentioned the, some of the supplements and I think that was also really important to my feeling better and, and getting that conversion of the T4 to T3 and just getting my body to absorb and use the thyroid that I was taking the, the medication and um, you mentioned selenium. So 
that's um, pretty easy. And I saw a direct result um, when I also added a selenium supplement into my routine. But also, um, you've talked about this a lot before, but ferritin, is, which is stored iron levels, is so, so important. And Dr. Forsman just told me recently that f- having adequate ferritin levels can also help with um, like neurotransmitters. Um, oh, so- I would believe that because in the times that I've had low ferritin, depression is there too. Really? I mean, it's there too with low T3, right? So which is causing Mm -hmm. which, but low ferritin in people who don't have a serious thyroid problem, like, cause just this happens with women, they'll take, they'll get the ferritin up and they'll be like, Oh my God, I'm a new person. Or they're taking thyroid hormones. They're doing pretty well, but they're having trouble raising it. So if you don't have proper iron storage, you'll have trouble raising thyroid hormones because I guess in layman's terms, everyone can think about it as it won't get your thyroid hormones to where it needs to go. You need proper iron storage for that to happen. So as you're raising thyroid, if your ferritin is low, you might come across problems like feeling jittery or adrenals. And so it it has to be there as a foundation. And a lot of women are just low in iron, especially if you're someone that works out uh, and you've been menstruating since, you know, you a teenager, then you're losing more iron than most. And or someone had a baby, or someone had some surgery, you know, and they just never think to replenish it, and doctors don't often test ferritin. So I'm curious, do you remember, and I know it was probably a scale of 10 to 150 on the test he took for you, but do you remember what your ferritin was at when it was bad? Yeah, I want to say maybe in the 20s. Yeah, and I, I ask you that because I know someone who had it at like 35, and the the doctor was like, it's fine. Um, and it really, for everyone listening, needs to be between 50 and 100, but, you know, ideal, like 60, 65, if it can be. Um, so you did then take iron for probably, what, a couple of months or? Well, you know, it's actually been a challenge because I feel I'm like real sensitive to supplements. So, um, and Dr. Forsman knows this, but if he tells me take 20 milligrams of, you know, iron chelate or whatever the his recommended basic doses, I kind of like cut it in half. Um, so it's been harder for me to get my levels up. So it's been more like, it's been, it's, it's actually, he's always kind of telling me take more, take more. Um, so I'm still kind of working on that. I think the best I've gotten it was 50 and I just had a test. I mean, yeah, compared to 25. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, I see it in my, I, I feel it in my energy levels And again, this neurotransmitter thing has been, I didn't realize that there was a connection there. But again, like so many women suffer from depression and like seasonal affective disorder with the the winter months and the shorter days. And just some of these things that regular doctors will miss. And, you know, I think sometimes women think like, oh, I don't want to know. Like I I just, I don't want to do the testing because I don't want to have to change my whole life, but it, it really doesn't have to be like that. It can be taking a few more supplements or, you know, cooking in a cast iron pan can even help get your stored iron levels up. So it doesn't have to be a complete lifestyle overhaul. You can do things a little bit at a time because I mean, women are so busy with kids and schedules and jobs and we manage so much, but 
taking care of ourselves and getting these tests done and just knowing where we are, like getting a baseline and having a doctor who like, you don't have to do all the research. Let, let, you know, find a doctor who you're on the same page where you want to maybe take a supplement instead of taking a prescription antidepressant, or, you know, you want to work on some lifestyle things instead of like taking a sleep prescription drug, like find a doctor who's on the same page with you and let him or her do the research and kind of just help you along the way. And then you can go on and do all the other amazing stuff you're doing. Yeah. Brad Kearns and I were joking around about how like, damn, you eventually end up taking prescriptions for the side effects of other prescriptions. <laughs> like, you know, like at some point totally. it's like, shit, man, go down this road. Um, what you said though about the ferritin. So just for everyone out there, that's like a $45 test. At least if you go to privatemdlabs.com or direct labs, one of these places where you can get your own blood work and some states don't allow that, but some do, uh, most do. Uh, it's a, it's a very cheap test. You know what I mean? Um, so everybody can go knock that out. If you're feeling brain fog and tired and exhausted and you have heavy legs or restless legs, or you're just in a funk, it might just be the ferritin. You know, it might just be that and yes, get some supplements and whatever. So I know it's overwhelming with doctors and when people don't have insurance, but sometimes it's really something stupid and it could just be, you know, taking some supplements for a while. I've seen people really turn around Hashimoto's getting worse after just eight weeks. And that was in one person, um, one of the people was eating too much gluten, uh, and, they had low ferritin and some other things. And literally it was like looking at a new person eight weeks later, new person didn't have to go on thyroid. Hormone. She was depressed, listless, fat and bloated. Hair was terrible. It was just looked, it was like, I was looking at my friend fall apart and you know, it was a different person. And in, in, in literally like six, eight weeks, she showed up. I was like, what is happening to your body and your hair? Like what on earth? And, you know, for people out there too, um, the interview will be out by the time this airs, which is Allie Miller RD on Instagram or Allie Miller uh, RD. She wrote the anti-anxiety diet. She, she has Hashimoto's and she's able to control it and keep her antibodies down to like 10 or 12 and doesn't have to be on thyroid hormone anymore. And there's nothing wrong with being on thyroid hormone, but for the people out there that want to try to achieve things without that and keep everything natural, there are people that have achieved it. Um, I want to ask you about personally your T3 dosing, cause I am still on T3 only. I have been for six years. Um, half my thyroid is sort of working, I guess you could say, meaning I don't fully suppress it. Um, what do you ever find that you need to tinker with it with the direct T3? Cause I'm be interested to know because see, you don't have a thyroid gland. So at any given time, things aren't kicking back at you, right? So, you know, you have to replace it. Is it pretty consistent? Your dosing, do you need more in, you know, winter, less in summer? Do you notice, uh, mid cycle to menstruation, any changes, or is it, are you pretty consistent with your dosing? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I kind of wondered if that would happen for me. I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I guess I've maybe have a little fear of cutting back because I know what it feels like to be hypothyroid and I just never, ever want to feel like that again. And I mean, the funny thing is that I don't really get like, I don't, when I take T3, I don't get like a rush of energy. That's not what it feels like. I imagine that if somebody was abusing it, that you could feel like that, but 
Um, so I've just been really consistent with it. And I mean, um, and then actually, you know, if you very rarely I'll forget to take the T3 because, yeah, it's kind of a pain. Like I'm taking thyroid medicine three times a day, but it's just kind of like second so nature. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it just, you well, know. Well, and like, I'm oh. sure you've had it too. You leave the house and you go four miles and you're like, damn it. I forgot the, the you've got to bring it with you. It's kind of second right. nature yep. to me now, but you know, it's always a consideration. You're like, well, I may or may not be stuck in traffic. So you're like, and not that you would die if you went hours without it, but it's just, it becomes a normal part of your day and it's a lifesaver. Um, right. So I, I love that you, had, let's go back to the original endocrinologist who thought your heart was going to explode on 10 micrograms. Right. <laughs> and now you're on what, a total of 25 micrograms it's spread out along with the Synthroid in the morning, correct? Correct. <clears throat> and for those listening right now, uh, at least in the year that this is out, which is 2018, um, I take about 20 to 25 micrograms a day. It just depends. Uh, not It doesn't change necessarily day to day, but I would notice a difference maybe spring or summer, like hotter weather, um, or just any kind of fluctuation that I'm intuitive to. I just kind of know it's a weird thing at this point. You sort of get intuitive about it. Um, and there are so many doctors out there that would say that I would be killing myself. Now, there's also people who are on 60 micrograms a day. There are people on slow release. Nobody should ever really be taking more than 25 micrograms of T3 in one dose. It's seemingly a little bit too much for for us to handle as humans. It's not how our bodies would dish it out anyway. So for those wondering and listening... Don't ever half-ass T3. It can totally backfire and you make you fat, bloated, and inflamed. It's happened to me. On your comment about hyperthyroidism, it actually doesn't make you jacked up. It makes you very detached from the world, and eventually you crash and get really tired. Um, so, it, and, and then you have a hypermetabolism, which is great at first, but then it backfires on you because a higher metabolism is something you don't want. Like hummingbirds have high metabolism and they have very short life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Pe species with the highest metabolisms don't live long because um, it's hypermetabolic and it's, it's just wears everything out too fast, essentially is how you can look at it. So anyway, from these kind of standpoints, um, hyperthyroidism can backfire. Um, it's not always skinny people with bug eyes that are pooping all the time. They're like, I can eat whatever I want. It will ultimately, because of what it does to blood glucose and adrenals and your appetite, it's just, again, it's going so fast. It's Again, we are a Goldilocks as human beings, right? Not too hot, not too cold. We all have the same kind of internal temperature thermostat gauge, if we're normal, to process everything our bodies do. And I'm sure armadillas have a whole totally another <laughs> rhythm of temperature. But I just want to explain that to everyone out there. Um, let's talk about some of the things. I wonder what friends and family members said to you once you were better? I think that I hid my fatigue really well. Maybe my husband, I would, I was honest with him. I mean, he saw me collapsing on the couch because I was so fatigued. But the funny thing is, um, I have probably sent, I think maybe 10 to 12 people to Dr. Forsman. Um, oh, since yeah, I started I seeing like hundreds, him. I mean, he's like, stop sending me. <laughs> no, I'm just yeah, I know. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I, I just have been feeling so good. And, um, but yeah, I mean, so since, since then, I mean, 
I know, I know the level of productivity that I'm capable of without going overboard, without, you know, getting sucked into, um, working all the time, but I can work at, I can accomplish the things that I feel like I meant to do. And I feel like I, I lost a lot of, I lost many years, um, from feeling horrible and, you know, not getting the right treatment, the right diagnosis. Um, but I'm just, you know, I'm just taking it one day at a time. And, um, again, just like trying to inspire other women. Um, but it's most of the people who I've sent to Dr. Forsman. I mean, this is like a real epidemic. I'm, I know you know this, but because, right? because here's the thing you sent 10 people. Okay. Right. So that's just random 10 people. And and you haven't even like it's not like you're traveling to a new city every day, right? We're like, oh, okay, well, she'd be meeting a sample of the pot. No, that's just like in your town, like with people you know, right? Right, who are having thyroid issues and um, aren't, you know, being treated or being diagnosed properly. It's really tragic. Yeah, ladies out there, it's disproportionately a women's disease. And there are tons of men. I speak to men all the time and coach men on this stuff. So it's not just women, but it is. And it can come, uh, you know, listen, if that postpartum sort of depression-y stuff lasts too long, that could be it. Sometimes women, after having a child or two, can get thrown into a hypothyroid state and have this imbalanced. If you're listening and you like don't really have a thyroid problem, you're not sure, just go get it checked. And just since we're at it, I finally, just because too many people inquired and I was like, well, I just developed a free thyroid guide. Just go to my website, lrust.com, download the free thyroid guide. It talks about all the tests Carrie and I are talking about. It has interviews with Dr. Forsman and me and other people, even Mark Sisson. It has ways to find a doctor in your state or your country um, via the Natural Thyroid Hormones Yahoo group. There's also a Reverse T3 Adrenals Yahoo group. These moderators on there, and you've got to, of course, take everything at face value and do your own research. Fellow people saved my life, not doctors. Now, doctors, Dr. Forsman cleaned it up at the end when I came in. I already fixed my thyroid, but then he's like, all right, but a whole bunch of other shit went wrong too. <laughs> you know, and then I was like, all right, yeah, that I don't know how to look for. And um, I had low serotonin. And you mentioned that earlier, and I want to highlight that I use 5-HTP. And Dr. Forsman had told me, listen, if if the if the supplementation doesn't work, we actually might have to put you on like a Prozac. And I wasn't the profile of someone who had zero serotonin. I mean, I really wasn't. He's like, this is looks like someone's up all night and crying all the time. And I'm like, well, that's not me. So, but it was present in appetite and mood, and it was strongly fixed, literally with just about four or five weeks of 5-HTP. And I want to mention that because I also followed my gut there. Dr. Forsman has lots of patients. He's wonderful, but he also expects his patients to listen to themselves. And so after five weeks, when I, I started to get really sleepy on 5-HTP, like, I mean, literally every day I was exhausted. I knew it wasn't my thyroid. And I researched it myself and someone had mentioned, hey, this may happen. And if it does, you're probably tapped out and you're good. So you can stop. And I did. And within two days, my energy was completely restored. And then I was like, oh, maybe I just needed that little cycle of it. Okay. So um, Dr. Forsman suggested maybe I take a certain amount of milligrams. I don't know. My gut vibe said, I'm going to start with 50 instead. He would not oppose to the, uh, to me saying this or be opposed to that at all. So I also just want just, even if you get a great doctor, still follow your gut and talk to them about it. It's totally cool. You know? And then I told him of my experience and he's like, well, that's an adverse reaction. Usually people don't 
have this happen to them. Um, but it happened to me. So that's okay. You know, he just learned something. Um, but it really helped me and I didn't have to go to the Prozac where any other doctor would have just put me on that. Um, and the thing is that my thyroid is okay, but again, stuff gets depleted over time. Most people are undiagnosed, 60% are undiagnosed. A lot of people hang around in this effery like you did after the thyroid cancer where they're like, here you go. Here's some Synthroid and a little bit of T3. Good luck. And then you're like, I'm not feeling right at every appointment and no one's doing anything about it. And they're saying it's not their thyroid. And it turns out they were wrong. It was. And it's not your thyroid because you don't have one. It was terrible thyroid hormone replacement. And look at you now with just getting that fixed. So someone told Carrie that it was, I mean, and again, famous Santa Barbara endocrinologist, probably referred by everybody. And we trust these people. So I think if there's any message here, like Carrie is trying to do with women and inspires women to do, uh, is the same train here, which is ladies, please go research it, jump on it, learn all you can. You might know more about your body um, than your doctor, or you may be able to help your doctor get educated on something and practice medicine with you and learn something, or you need to run and go see a doctor forceman and someone who can assess things and get you on the right path. Um, let's talk a little bit about the gluten-free and dairy-free recipe. So I'm assuming you're gluten-free and dairy-free. Um, do you ever eat gluten or dairy or is it just adverse reactions for you? Well, I so on my food sensitivity test, the dairy kept coming up, both the casein and the whey. So I was really bummed. Um, I also have PCOS, so I have some insulin sensitivity issues. Um, and so a gluten-free, dairy-free approach has um, really helped with that, with balancing my hormones, uh, which had been a lifelong battle. And I had been on birth control pills for 15 years and, um, so now, you know, I, I'm fertile and I'm not having kids cause I'm again, 44 and that ain't happening now, but, <laughs> um, but the gluten-free dairy-free is, um, often recommended for PCOS as well as, um, autoimmune issues. So yeah. And I would, like I said, I would have like to try dairy, but it, it has, it does keep showing up on my food sensitivity test that I react to it. So I've stayed away from it. Now, it's funny that gluten hasn't shown up, but I just know so much about, you know, like inflammation as a result from gluten that I don't, I don't really mess around with it. Um, I do okay with um, like white rice. I find that I actually sleep better. I sleep through the night better when I have some starch with dinner. Um, mm -hmm. So I'll do, I do like some kind of a potato or, or rice. And, um, that usually works for me, but for the most part, I'm, I'm a hundred percent, um, gluten-free and dairy-free and not a hundred percent grain-free, but, um, I know Dr. Fortsman would probably like that, but, um, Hey, we got to live, right? <laughs> you, I mean, again, and I like that too. We're all human beings. Sometimes I'm out with my friends and like, Oh, Hey, uh, you know, Sorry. I'm like, first of all, don't apologize. Eat all the bread you want. That's don't be embarrassed. Like that's nothing to be ashamed about. You do, you do you, but also I'm a human being too. I'm going to probably have a piece of bread and a piece of brie in France, or I might have regular stuffing at Thanksgiving. I might also do the paleo kind too. I also don't have a 
uh, celiac disease and I also don't have Hashimoto's. So I may be gauging that different. You know, if I had Hashimoto's where we know gluten triggers the antibodies, I might gauge my cheats more, you know? Um, but in general, I have to say just personally, it's, it's the way. And I think a lot of people listening and who are primal would agree when you eliminate grains and reintroduce them. And if even if you go on a couple days kick, you start to feel it, you start to feel it in your brain and you start to feel it. And it just kind of is an automatic. Yeah. I'm not going to go there for a while. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And I mean, it's all about, um, right. Like being in touch with your, with your body and your symptoms. I know like I was eating something recently. Oh, um, I can't do a lot of eggs. And so I had, I was, uh, I was having a craving for eggs though. So I had them a few days in a row and then I got really bad wrist pain. And, you know, I first I thought, Oh, I just been working on the computer too long. But even after taking a break, I still had wrist pain. But so I cut back on the eggs and it just went away. That's a great one. I'm glad you mentioned that for those listening to, and you can look at a whole 30 list or primal blueprint shopping list, but that still is kind of maybe 80, 20, or you just don't do the occasional, which will be like dairy, alcohol, and, you know, chocolate and stuff like that. Um, eggs. Okay. So I don't have any blood like has been tested. There is no quote egg allergy, but I do have an issue and it's subtle, but it's there and only spotted through elimination. Um, and it's probably linked to the gene I have that sort of is an issue with processing sulfur, foods high in sulfur. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I've noticed that, like, so I'll eat leeks and I love onions and things like that, but then I smell of onion, like my body is not, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, it's like saying, don't do it. Um, and I have cravings for eggs too sometimes, and I'll go get the sausage and these, you know, like scrambled eggs, and then I'll notice gas. And it's not even necessarily bad, but it's just annoying and it's a bloat, especially if it's a couple of days in a row. So Only though, but I was eating eggs my whole life. Like, so what? I had some mild grade whatever or my body adjusted to it. Who knows? But the only way to really figure out what's right for you is to do a serious elimination for at least 30 days of all the major stuff, including eggs. So I tell people, especially even with Hashimoto's, just it sucks because eggs are so easy and they're great and they're cheap. Um, Even for pastured eggs, uh, it's just so great to have around. But I always tell everyone, try a month completely egg-free and then reintroduce it by itself like and then see what happens because you'd be surprised it's just i never thought that that would be a thing i never thought i'd say well i don't really do eggs because i love eggs um but now the way that they make me feel and after doing the elimination and reintroduction i just kind of don't bother except for like you the occasional i'm really craving it you know what i mean Right. Or just the egg yolk. Apparently it's the egg white that is, can be usually more of an issue. So sometimes I'll just, I'll just eat the egg yolk and, um, I'm pretty much fine with that. And that's where all the vitamins and minerals are anyways. Right. That's what you want is extra, (laughs) the extra yolks. Um, it's, it's really wonderful what you're doing. Cleaneatingkitchen.com. Uh, I love that you're sharing your story. Thyroid cancer by the way, for everyone listening, is actually probably one of the best cancers you can get because if they catch it soon enough, you just remove the gland. But then like Carrie, you remove the gland and then you have someone who's not replacing the thyroid hormones in the proper way. And then that person might think that, oh, this is because I had thyroid cancer and I don't have the thyroid gland now, therefore I must always suffer from X. I'm this subpar, whatever human being in existence now, because this is how I'm going to feel. That's just a doctor who doesn't know what they're doing or who's uninformed or who's steeped in 1973, you know, 
thyroid protocols, there's so much healing. I mean, it's only been two years for you, so I can only imagine it getting increasingly better. It keeps getting better for me. I mean, I feel great now, but like it took, it was like as every, you know, every year would go by, you know, and, and it, it, it really was just probably like first, first 48 hours on T3 only life changer. Mm. Then, you know, you got to get the thyroid hormones in They're precursors to everything. So then it took a while for the weight. It took a while for me to figure the dosing out. It, it, you know, it takes some time to kind of right get this symphony of stuff. And usually things go wrong when you're hypothyroid and untreated like hormone imbalance. So there are, again, like you said, functional medicine is the way to go. It's a comprehensive approach when, when you, you know, unless someone just catches it quickly and gets it solved right away, that's the luckiest scenario. But a lot of us remain suffering at the hands of doctors for too long. And during that period of stuff brews, you know? So I just love that you're inspiring women to take control of their own health and focus on, you know, the holistic and natural healing. What can we find at cleaneatingkitchen.com? Well, you can find new recipes every week. I have ebooks and I do health articles. I really try to talk about my journey in um, a really honest and personal way so um, women can, you know, feel like you're not alone in this. I've been through a lot of this. I've been, I feel like I've been to hell and back. And um, I've been doing it, I've been blogging now for 10, almost 10 years. So it's really, um, it is my life's work and I'm hugely passionate about it. And I really, I get to connect with women every day and feel like I'm making a difference. So, you know, it doesn't get much better than that. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your story. You were also though, did you have a Mark's Daily Apple story too? I did. That's, uh, wait, what's that, what's yeah. that story? Wait, how, or we just type in your name on Mark's Daily Apple to find that? Yeah, I was the success story. And I talked about my eating disorder recovery, which uh, Primal Diet has, um, and of course, resolving all these health issues. I was, you know, I was obsessive about food. I I thought that gaining weight was like somehow like a character, character flaw, you know, like I wasn't being restrictive enough. Um, after cancer, I got really like kind of messed up in the head about food. Like I thought if I had a bite of sugar, I would make my cancer come back and, um, you know, like kind of went down a, a rabbit hole of, um, obsessively worrying about food. And it turns out when your thyroid is optimized, you know, your weight, you, of course you're going to gain weight if you're eating crap all day long, but if you're eating like good real food and you're eating, um, when you're hungry and you're stop eating, when you start feeling full, your weight should be fairly stable and and normal. And um, you know, primal eating and all of that has helped me get into like a much healthier place with all of that as well. It totally fixed my sugar addiction slash eating issues. I probably would call it a disorder of some kind. And that is the thoroughfare theme through almost every MarksDailyApple.com success story is, yes, I solved, you know, this skin issue, or I lost a hundred pounds, or my God, my arthritis went away. There's so many great, like powerful, oh my God, I cured this disease. Mm -hmm. But on the other side too, every single one of those stories usually has a, and oh my God, the best is I cannot believe I'm not obsessed with food anymore. And that's really, and, and if your thyroid hormones are off, you're going to likely be obsessed with food. It's going to make you into a food addict. So if you're out there 
and you feel like you have a food addiction and you feel like you're crazy inside and you know you can't really talk about it because you're thinking about food all the time because I was I was thinking about it all the time didn't matter if I just ate I was thinking about what I was going to eat later how could I get away with whatever I might it was obsessive every couple of hours but when you're hypothyroid you have you're really going off of kind of adrenaline and cortisol at that point. You're going to crave crap. So I just want to share with everyone, you're not crazy. This is not inherent in you as a person, right? You know, it's just, there's something going on because once you fix whatever's going on, it could, whatever's low ferritin or it could be stupid selenium or it could be thyroid, things that are normal. And then you, then you, all those people you used to look around to and go, well, they don't seem to have an issue. Yeah, that's going to be you. And I mean, that's really the best part to me about paleo primal living. And uh, because I still was a sugar burner after I fixed my thyroid, because I just didn't know. Um, and it changed my life. Um, that's the best thing about all of this. Forget that I feel great. It's, I really don't think about food. I seriously never thought, I, I, I did not think about food for most of my life. So I, the fact that I'm even saying that and continue to say it is truly a testament. And it's really every success story on there. So I'm not surprised that yours is kind of like right in line with that. Um, and I'm sure it's so much better now that you're on the right amount of T3. Right. And right. Like you said, I mean, when you're not, when you can just go about your day, like a normal person and you can just, you know, eat like normal, real food that we're meant to eat and you can not feel like bloated. It's like, it's just this freedom that I, I, I forgot what it felt like, you know, like 20 years of suffering. You, you don't remember what it feels like to not be obsessed with food and your weight and you know, how your body's feeling. But then when it all comes back into balance, it's like, it's just total freedom and it's, it's like a priceless feeling and everyone should feel like that. I think there's no better way to end this and than that. Yeah, absolutely. Great message. Is there uh Carrie Forrest again, it's clean eating com on Instagram and Facebook. She's at clean eating Carrie C A R R I E. Is there anything else you'd like to leave our audience with? No, just thank you, Elle, for your amazing work. And really, you you um, saved my life. I'm forever grateful. Oh, thank you so much. Um, my, my suffering is so worth it now, knowing that. So on that note, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And we will see you next week. Hi, Brad Kearns here with something different than a stiff commercial script message. I want to give you an authentic endorsement for one of my favorite supplements of all time. It's called Adaptogenic Calm. It used to be called Primal Calm. And the key ingredient in this formula is called Phosphatidylserine, or PS. And this agent has been shown in hundreds of studies to blunt the catabolic effects of the stress hormone cortisol in the bloodstream that's released in response to all forms of life stress whether it's a series of difficult workouts, extensive jet travel, personal stress of any kind, we're constantly triggering the fight or flight mode in modern life. And when people say, hey, you should take a chill pill, this really is a chill pill. Because when you consume an appropriate amount of phosphatidylserine and the other supportive ingredients that have been known to have a calming effect on the central nervous system, things like magnesium, L-theanine, magnolia bark, and rhodiola, you will get a calming effect. It's not like a stimulant product that makes you feel 
more energy and have a better workout. But instead, this sort of takes the edge off of that stress buzz where you feel that foggy brain function, maybe a little shaky and finally fried at the end of a busy, stressful day. This stuff will help you clear your bloodstream from those catabolic stress hormones before they can do the damage. So I like to take significant quantities of it in and around stressful events, such as jet travel or in those heavy training cycles when you're really pushing your body and trying so hard not to fall into that overtraining, overstress, foggy brain function spiral downward. That's right, phosphatidylserine has also been shown to enhance cognitive function. It's commonly used in Europe on cognitive decline patients. And you can make that connection between when you're frazzled and overstressed and how your brain doesn't work quite as well. So this is a brain function enhancing, stress hormone reducing, secret weapon, adaptogenic calm. Look for it on primalblueprint.com.